Hello again and welcome to QAV episode 551, the last episode of season 5 and the last episode for 2023. Uh, I'm recording this in the last week of December. Thank you for the the feedback you gave me for the uh, previous episode 550. People seem to have enjoyed Tony's pulled porks. Uh, this week, I thought I'd do something slightly different. One, An idea that Tony has mentioned to me uh, for the last six months is it might be interesting to go back to early 2020 and relive uh, the, the sort of COVID um, downturn as a way of going back and just seeing how Tony played through that downturn. Now, obviously, we had a downturn this year as well, 2022. But I thought we'd go back and have a look at what happened in early 2020. So I went and listened to all of the episodes over the first, say, six months of 2020 just to see um, what Tony's mindset was going into COVID and then coming out of the COVID correction, um, just to see, yeah, you know, how he's thinking, how he how he holds up under these sorts of conditions. So um, that's what I'm going to do in this episode. It's not going to be a long one, but um, uh, hopefully it will be instructive and also, I, I guess, kind of comforting. Maybe I hope. It certainly was for me when I was listening to it. Anyway, I'll explain why comforting as we uh, as we get into it. So this first episode is uh, episode 205. This came out on the 5th of February, 2020. And as you'll see, we were just starting to feel the effects of the, the lockdowns in China and contemplating what it might mean for the Australian market. So let's uh, let's talk about the market uh, briefly. Obviously, uh, coronavirus, Wuhan coronavirus bloodbath still going on on the ASX. Yeah, no, it is. Um, the markets just don't like uncertainty. And there's all sorts of economists trying to work out how much it's going to cost and how much SARS costs and all that kind of thing. And then compounded by the bushfire loss of income for tourism, it's, I mean, tourism's going to take a hit for sure. Mm, mm. Um, and it really comes down to how quickly the virus can be contained, I think. And that's a big if, although there seems to be a lot of research going into a vaccine for it now. And if that comes through quickly, then uh, I think it'll be a reasonably small sort of hit to the market. It'll bounce back. Maybe. Yeah. And the cynic in me says that the Chinese will uh, gloss over it anyway, like they do every every year when they tell you that they've grown by 6%. Oh, you're such a cynic, Tony. <laughs> With the market, I just wanted to say, like, as of this morning, I think we've come back. Our growth since the 2nd of September, when we officially started tracking, according to my spreadsheet, is we're up around just over 10%. Um, I think uh, a week, two weeks ago, that was closer to 18 or 19%, so it's come back quite a bit. The All Lords has dropped down too, though, so we're still tracking at 178% or nearly double, uh, nearly 80%, I guess, on top of the All Lords since over that period, so we're tracking well, reasonably well, you know, compared to the All Lords, but it's, it's, it's had a big impact 
on our portfolio, at least in the short term. Um, now, I had uh, a, a couple of subscribers email me and say, well, uh, what's Tony going to do about these stocks that are dropping in the portfolio? Uh, you know, what's this is the first time since we've had a portfolio that we've gone through not only this bigger correction, but through reporting, so we're getting into reporting season. Just remind me, Tony, when there's blood in the streets like this, what's what's your mindset? Where, where, where are you at? Are you panicking? Are you are you getting ready to? Once the Brazilian ladies have finished cleaning your windows this morning, are you getting ready to getting ready to to jump, Tony? Not at all. No, uh, no it's uh, it's it's a, you know it's the old saying about being alert, not alarmed. Uh, it's uh, yeah, you focus on the market in these times of uncertainty, but you don't get alarmed because if if it does drop, if there's a huge correction, that's a chance to buy. And uh, I'm looking at the at our stocks now, particularly stocks like Qantas, which are the most exposed. If they do happen to drop below their three point trend lines, and I'll sell them and look to buy them later. Uh, but at this stage, well, last time I looked, I haven't looked today, but last time I looked, Qantas was still above the three point trend line. Uh, yeah, so that's what I use to, to guide myself in this kind of correction. Just just use the, the sentiment graph uh, as a test to see whether people are selling out holeless bolus or whether there's some selling, but it's not strong. Right. I'm doing and look, if there is a correction, it's like it's, it's, you know, it's that old saying, it's fresh meat. It's rub your hands and and get a hold of all the cash you can and buy in. Right. Mm. And... Uh, just, you know, you mentioned the three-point trend line there. That's your policy with all of these stocks, even though Qantas is obviously, I guess, it's not really confession season, but they obviously uh, saying, well, this is going to have a dramatic impact on our revenues for the year. When well, I don't we think Qantas have said that. Oh, really? All right. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, Somebody said out. that. Okay, they came out well, towards the end of last week and said it would have a, an impact, but at this stage it was manageable. Right, but still going to have an impact on their financials, their projections for the year, surely. Well, it will, uh, but uh, well, I don't have the, the release in front of me, but it wasn't. They weren't overly concerned. I, I don't think right. Qantas has a big has a big uh, business in China, really. They have some flights in there, but compared to everything else going on around the world, it would be a small percentage. And, and don't forget, the international carrier business for Qantas is about one-third of the revenue, and it's an even smaller percentage of sales. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't at all alarmed when I read the Qantas press release. I can't recall the details. And they're obviously saying there'd be some kind of impact but it wasn't going to be huge. So the share prices come back 10%, but, yep. um, but based on nothing really that Qantas has said, this is just the market panicking? Correct. It's just speculation. And look, you know, the market it could drop a lot more if uh, if suddenly the whole world goes into lockdown and, and, you, and international travel's put on hold indefinitely. For sure, Qantas will have a hit. Uh, but that, we're not at that stage yet. So... Your policy with the portfolio in times like this is all based around just keeping an eye on the three-point trend line? Yeah, I'm still reading the Fing Review every day and seeing if there's any particular announcements that you might be concerned with. But, yeah, looking at the three-point trend line and, and eagerly waiting for the results to come out as well. And I would expect that Qantas, companies as big as Qantas would give us a good guidance as, as to what they expect will happen because of the impact on... Um, of coronavirus and, and potentially the bushfires. I, 
I'm not sure how much that would impact their business, but it might. If people are, uh, if people aren't travelling as much in Australia as well, that, that will have an impact. But at this stage, they haven't come out as a confession and said, look, we're going to take a big hit. So that was uh, the beginning of the discussion back in early February, obviously. Qantas did take a big hit as Australia went into lockdown and the rest of the world went into lockdown. Um, But Tony, as you can see in that episode, yeah, cautious, but not overreacting, just waiting to see what happens. Just sort of chill, cool, paying attention, alert, but not alarmed, as he often says. And I think that'll probably be the title of this episode, alert, but not alarmed. So the next clip is from episode 206, which was recorded a week later, uh, 11th of February, I think. And uh, let's see how Tony sounds a week later. By the way, there's some weird background music on this clip. I don't know why I left the background music run so long, but uh, there you have it. Well, um, I wanted to start this morning by talking about uh, our portfolio performance last week. I'm, you know, I've never been so depressed, Tony. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm only half kidding. I mean, it's uh, so. Where are we at? As of this morning, we are up ten point zero seven percent, according to my spreadsheet. Since the second of September, the all odds, uh, by comparison, is up six point six five percent in that same. period period so we're outperforming the awards 151 percent um now I, I keep reminding myself well our goal is like 20 percent for the whole year we're four months into the year taking the second of september as the starting point and we're already halfway there so uh plenty of time no no need to no need to worry cameron i keep telling myself yeah. uh tony Tony doesn't seem worried. I'm not worried at all. No. And look, and, and to be fair, there'll be periods when we underperform the market over a short term. That can right, happen. Yeah. yeah. But over the long term, we'll outperform. Well, and even in the monthly summaries, when I've been comparing us against the total return index, there's been two months last month we underperformed. And I think back in November, we underperformed, but, you know, made up for it in the other months. Yeah. But uh, so there you go. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. The question is, is this a long-term thing or a short-term thing? And all you can do is look at history, and typically it takes about a quarter uh, before governments get a good hold on these things and can start to calm the markets down to say, look, you know, we've we've either found a vaccine for coronavirus or we've contained it uh, or not. And and the opposite may be true. They might say, look, it's out of control. We can't stop it spread. I'm, I'm sort of more in the former. We're all going to die. Yeah, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of more in the former camp than the later camp. Uh, again, as I said last time, it's it's yeah, obviously it captures your attention and you watch things, uh, but at this stage, I'm not overly concerned longer term about it. But you do think it'll have a depressing effect, a negative effect on the our portfolio stocks for at least a quarter. I do, yeah. So um, I should stop refreshing the spreadsheet <laughs> every ten minutes. You should stop doing what that. Yep, you should stop doing that. <laughs> do it, do it monthly. Uh, monthly. Yeah. Jeez, but, Tony. Uh, but yeah, we got to watch those three-point trend lines <laughs> along the way. So he's still not concerned. <laughs> In the next clip, which is the next episode, 207, I'm doing weekly at this stage. I'll jump to monthly soon. But uh, uh, so mid, mid-February, 17th of February. Um, let's see how Tony's feeling as the market continues to slide. 
let's talk about our portfolio. Uh, you know, we we've continued in the last week to go backwards whilst the all odds has gone forwards. We're running a hundred, almost 107% uh, as of this morning against the all odds. So a little bit above, but kind of getting close to neck and neck with the all odds. You got any theories yeah. on what's happening? I know last week you said, ah, I only check it once a month. And then I felt guilty when yeah. I checked it <laughs> this morning. Um, but now that we're here, <laughs> what's, what's, what's your theory on what's going on? Oh gosh. Well, it, it's hard to know what's going on really. It's, there's obviously a lot of impacts happening because of coronavirus now that's, that's impacted on some of our shares, Qantas in particular. Uh, it's early days, but I'm, I am, there's a little sort of, Rid of sand, sort of uh, in my shoe at the moment. I'm I'm kind of wondering whether these big moves in some of our stocks backwards is is a precursor to something bigger that might happen to the market. But uh, at the moment, I don't really have any evidence for that. It's just that it's a fairly unusual situation to be in. Do you think the fact that our portfolios ended up fairly heavily weighted in mining and uh, oil? Has anything to do with our performance? Is there some reason why those sorts of stocks would be more? Well, we know about Qantas, but some of those stocks would be more impacted by COVID nineteen, as it's now officially known. Yeah, I did. I did think that. Um, but interestingly enough, I went. I went into Stock Doctor, and uh, in one of their advanced charting tools, you can compare stocks and uh, like put their charts up on the same page. And so I put up Beach Energy with some of the other ones, uh, some of the other listed uh, energy stocks like. Uh, Santos and Woodside Petroleum and uh, what was the other one I used? Origin, another Origin, sorry, the one that's all searched, one that's based in New Guinea. And they haven't had the sort of decline in the last little while that we've had in Beach Petroleum, so it will be changing. So I'm not sure if it's coronavirus affecting Beach Energy or whether it's just that they uh, reported a 10% sales and profit decline and that's just spooked the market. Right. Because we're not seeing, so for example, if you look at Fortescue Metals, mm. which, you know, I think all of its customers are in China, uh, that's still up. It's down a little bit, but it's it's not down. It's still up 45% since we bought it. Yeah. So, but I guess that's what I'm saying is that maybe some of these uh, small stocks in particular uh, could be the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. You know, we might not see some of the bigger mining companies impacted. We might not see them impacted at all, but we might see them impacted in a quarter's time. Because remember these six, these six month results, which are coming out now for last year. Yeah. And uh, uh, it'll, it'll take a while. There are stockpiles in the supply chains in the system. It'll take a while for those to be drawn down. Like you, you're hearing anecdotal evidence, and the financial review is reporting stories that some of the importers in China are starting to declare force majeure, which means they can not take the the delivery of the of the uh, commodities as they arrive in China and turn them back. That's not having an impact on the market yet, but if it gets worse, that will have a big impact on some of the bigger stocks. So, yeah, I'm, I, it's again, like we said last week, it's a bit of a time to focus on things and, and be alert but not alarmed. But um, surprising a little bit that we've come back so fast so quickly. But, you know, let's just see what happens during reporting season. So in your decades of experience paying attention to this stuff, this kind of a reversal in our portfolio in this period is – uh, sounds to me like you're saying it's unusual. You're a little bit surprised, but uh, like how often? But you also said earlier that you know it would be very normal for our portfolio to actually underperform the index for brief periods and then bounce back. So I'm just trying to get a handle on is this you is this unusual or, or, or re- relatively typical that it goes through these sorts of uh, periods and then bounces back? I think it's typical. There are some unusual qualities, and the unusual qualities is that uh, it's happened quickly. 
and it's happened to us without happening to the index. That's they're the unusual things. I guess putting it into context, we we shot ahead of the index quite a lot leading up into this. So yeah. the index is catching up a little bit too, I think. It's not unusual. It's not atypical. I think the speed of what's happened and the fact that it's happened to us and not the index is a bit atypical. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of thinking that we might be a bit of a harbinger for the index going forward. But, mm. um, you know, I, I obviously can't foretell what's going to happen. Mm. And if you're right and and the index, uh, the broader index takes a hit, uh, I guess there's really no knowing how we're going to perform relative to that. It's all just Correct. remains to be seen. But again, yeah. would, it, would it be right in saying too that, you know, we're doing this for the long term. So, you know, what happens even in a one year is not really that important in the whole scheme of things. We're, we're, we've got a game plan. We're playing the game plan for 10 years. And in the 10-year period, everything will be copacetic. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's a long-term game. And there were, there's been years in the past where I've had performance, which is at the market level or even a little bit below it. And that's made up for a news where you just shoot the lights out and you, you know, outperform the market by 20 or 30%. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. But overall, we're going to come out ahead of the market. For those reasons we talked about with Steve before, the market holds a lot of, a lot of dead weight, which we just don't include in our portfolios. So I guess for those of us like myself that are new to this, the temptation, this gets back to the uh, psychology stuff that Stephen was talking about. You know, the temptation is to brood over these uh, swings <laughs> and roundabouts uh, and the um, arrows, but it really, the mindset that I should be developing is doesn't matter. Long term, long term game plan here. Things go in cycles. the The plan is solid. It's a good plan. The plan's been tested by you for decades, by you know other value investors for even longer. The plan works. Trust in the plan. Don't worry about the swings and roundabouts. Just do the plan. Correct. And and that's that's a good point. I mean, we've been reporting since September. So to, to make long-term decisions based on monthly performances, I think, is the wrong thing to do. Um, and as I said before to Steve, you know, churning, churning your portfolio and rotating from one style to another is a, is a big mistake. Yeah, you, you need to you need to work out what you're comfortable with, work out what you can see as winning track records over decades, and stick with that. Well, of course, our portfolio was a harbinger for the rest of the market. If only we'd known that at the time, we could have sold puts on everything else and um, had a had a great payday. The rest of the market obviously did collapse in March of 2020, the COVID cough, as we came to call it on the show, but that's still a few weeks away uh, when we were recording. So let's jump to the next episode, which is 302, so sort of a month later, March 24th, 2020. Um, let's see what uh, Tony had to say at that stage. Most of the questions I'm getting now, if not all of them, well, the first ones are what do I do <laughs> and and should I sell? And, of course, the answer is yes, but maybe three weeks ago. So, you know, if you haven't sold now, you, you pretty much are locked in. I think the market probably has a bit further to fall, but, but we're closer to the bottom now than we were, you know, a month ago. Uh, so it's probably too late. So the next question I get is, is it time to buy? And my, again, I'm not buying yet. And that's that's been what I've been telling people. Yeah, even though I don't give advice, I just say, well, I'm not buying yet. It's too soon. And I also tell people about the falling knife. And um, if you're looking at any sort of share 
price at the moment or most share prices at the moment, even the market at the moment, they've all breached their support lines in terms of uh, trend lines and they're all on the way down. So you're really playing catch the falling knife at the moment. So I think it's still too soon to buy. I don't think we're, you know, one of the problems we have now is we know that there are companies which are quality companies, but we don't know yet what they're, how they're being affected and what they're going to look like um, next year. So one of the questions I'm asking myself at the moment, is it is it time yet to put together a watch list of quality companies? Because sometimes in these once in a generation events, you can pick up companies you've always wanted to buy, but they've never been cheap enough. You know, I, I did a bit of a back of the envelope exercise with that on the weekend. None of the ones I'm looking at, you know, score well on our QAV checklist uh, and a lot of them haven't fallen that much. So my answer is probably not at this stage. Uh, so I'm, I'm maybe drawing up a list, but, but, not, that, but not actioning it just yet. Uh, we're going to go through a period, as we've already started to see last week, of companies saying we don't have enough cash and we're going to have to raise equity because uh, they can't borrow anymore. The banks are sort of becoming a bit wary of lending to, to certain companies companies in certain sectors. And I think that will spread uh, because we have a very uh, interconnected you know, financial economy in the world and in Australia these days. Uh, so we haven't been through, we're starting to go through it now with two or three companies, but that's the tip of the iceberg. And this may be different to the GFC, but what happened in the GFC was the companies that needed to raise cash, raised cash. And that, that took a couple of months to go through. And then other companies which didn't need to raise, raise cash thought, well, you know, it's a thing in the market at the moment. It's their opportunity to get our balance sheet's even stronger. And so even good quality companies suddenly started uh, raising capital uh, because uh, they could see themselves being able to strengthen strengthen their balance sheets uh, at a time when uh, investors were thinking about buying back into the market. Because, you know, of of course, if if we start buying shares and they start going up, that money doesn't flow through to the companies. It flows through to the people where... Uh, who are selling shares. So, if you know, the savvy sort of boards are saying to themselves, let's get a slice of that action and they, they may well start uh, going to the market as well. So, companies like BHP and some of the banks who, who and you know, to, to the best of my knowledge, aren't capital constrained, may still have share raisings just to fortify their balance sheets just because people are in the market looking to invest in these kinds of discounted raisings. So, we haven't started seeing that yet. And I think we're going to start seeing it. And I think it's not time to invest just yet. So Tony still didn't seem to be too stressed. Uh, Let's jump forward another four episodes, another four weeks to episode 306. We recorded this one 7th of April 2020. It was in full swing then, as I recall. Let's see how he feels then. At a time like this, are you doing a lot? Like people have asked me via email in the last week or so, you know, what's Tony doing right now in terms of how many how many stocks is he analysing? And I said, look, to the best of my knowledge, nothing. He's not really bothering with analysis. Are you doing much deep dive stuff at the moment, or just when things tickle you or tickle you in the in the nether regions like this one? <laughs> my funny bone. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not doing much analysis until I, I get a sort of a lead like this. Uh, but I am watching the three-point trend grass because there are a couple of stocks I'm watching which are getting close-ish to three-point uptrends. Right. So stocks like Rio, Bell Financial Group, which we've had before, and Aurelia Metals are all right. uh, on upswings that haven't broken through yet, but they're getting close. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll probably update our watch list uh, once every couple of weeks. I'll probably do it again this week now because things look like they might be moving and, uh, and see how it looks. And then... Um, I'll, I'll watch the, the stocks which are moving up because some stocks are and see if they're getting close to three-point trend line uh, breakthroughs. 
So at that stage, the crash has happened. Tony's sitting and watching, but he is ready to buy. If the charts tell him to buy, he's prepared to buy. And I guess it's just business as usual is the impression that I get from all of this. I hope you're getting the same impression. It says I remember it too. For Tony, it was just uh, despite the fact that the sky was falling, he would just sell when the system told him to sell and was ready to buy back in if the system told him to buy despite the uh, doom and gloom that was going on in the market at the time. So let's jump to episode 310 now, another four weeks later recorded on the 27th of April, 2020. What's Tony up to at that stage? Let's just start off, before we get into the questions, let's just talk about, I guess, general market activity over the last couple of weeks and what we've been doing and your thinking behind that. Uh, So we we added, I don't know, five or six stocks to the portfolio in the last couple of weeks. Now, a lot of people are going, well, hold on a second. On one hand, you're saying, this is a dead cat bounce. It's not a true recovery. But so, why are you adding stocks? Explain yourself, Kyniston. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what's worse—the government tracking me or you foreign questions. <laughs> no, well, I think uh, I've come to the realization that my my system for investing is a lot better than my forecasting abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I, I still do believe that we're going to see a lower point in the market going forward because we haven't got all the, well, we haven't got almost any company announcements about how COVID's affecting them. Uh, so come come September, come August, September, when we start analysing company data, we're going to probably, well, again, my forecast is we're going to see some bad numbers. I think when we see the government's budget, which has been pushed back until the uh, towards the end of the year, they're going to have some pretty horrendous numbers. I think when we come out of COVID-19, whenever that is, and companies start to ramp up again and business practices changes and they might decide not to hire on all the same staff numbers they had, that things like unemployment will kick up. So I still think there's, my gut feel is there's still plenty of negative uh, negative waves, negative <laughs> <laughs> negative information to flow through before we've seen the bottom of this. But we have seen a bounce in the market and the market is a forward-looking predictor of things. And uh, certainly stocks are cheap at the moment. So we started buying again. So, you know, like I said, I think if I look back over the life of this podcast, even some of the predictions I've made have been just rubbish. You know, that we talked about the yield curve inversion halfway through last year. And I said, you know, economists always forecast nine out of the last seven recessions. Um, but this one came to pass when well, I didn't think it would. So there you go. Um, we, I remember you and I driving around Sydney going to meetings and we were talking about how many COVID cases we thought there'd be in Australia. And, and yeah, we were talking, we were talking about 100,000 deaths and there's been 80, 80 odd deaths. So yeah, I think, I think my forecasting abilities is, are pretty bad, but I, I know from my track record that following the system is a lot better. So the uh, theory then, if I understand it, is we don't want to forecast. We want to play by the rules. So yes, we're, yeah. we're, when the rules, and by the rules I mean the, the rules of the checklist, the guidelines of the checklist say um, the sentiment for a particular stock is positive, um, the they've they've you know, come out with recent announcements around uh, their financial projections. We've we've analysed the stock based on 
the the current best known financials and their projections, and it gets a positive QACV score, then we buy it regardless of whether or not we think the this is a dead cat bounce or a genuine recovery. And then if it turns down again and, and it breaches the sell three-point line, we sell it as we would in any other time. So we're not it doesn't matter if we're in a genuine recovery or not. We're just obeying the rules and the rules will look after us. That's right. That's exactly right. Because yeah. if it is a, a true recovery and we're wrong, then we're in. We're in the market and we're going to get the advantage of that. If it's not and it turns back down again, then we sell and we might lose 10 or 20%, um, but that's okay We because we, when it does turn back up, genuinely, we will be in because we've obeyed the rules that time as well. And we will get all of the growth associated with the recovery. Correct. Yep. That's a, that's a neat summary. So we just play by the rules. We play by the rules. But we, because we're putting out a podcast, we need content. So we also make forecasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, which are crap. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but you're human and you've been around a long time. So you, you do have an idea based on your experience mm. of what's going to happen. Correct. But as you've said over and over again, you're not a prophet. Uh, you're not a you're, yet. You're not a uh, religious icon yet. Although I am working on that because of some great tax benefits. Quite frankly, if we can turn this into a religion. Uh... <laughs> All right. So what I find fascinating about that little clip is Tony. You know, he's fairly uh, self-deprecating about his ability to forecast the market. And to be fair to him, though, like the yield inversion curve predicting a recession wasn't forecasting COVID hitting the world. So they, they were somewhat unrelated. Um, and, uh, you know, when we were talking in the car about how many people might die in Australia from COVID, we weren't expecting the hard sort of lockdowns that uh, the states went into and how well it was managed, which prevented, obviously, uh, the sort of situation they had in the U.S., that said, you know that's what that's why predicting is hard, right? Things uh, things come along that you don't expect. Things change, and uh, the, the, so you know even Tony doesn't trust his own ability to forecast to see uh, into a crystal ball in the future. He just knows that the system works, and so even though during this period that, that last clip was in, he was expecting there to be a another dip, a dead cat bounce. For those of you who aren't familiar with the term, is when it when a market crashes, gets up, comes up a little bit, and then you know crashes back down again. Even though Tony thought that was probably going to happen, we were still buying stocks because the system told us that it was time to buy stocks, and it's that sort of cold discipline that QAV enables that I really like because it, it prevents me from having to get all caught up in the emotions of what's going to happen. Am I making the right decision? Am I making the wrong decision? Uh, how do I know if all of the, the market uh, pundits are saying one thing? How do I figure out what to do? Uh, and the great thing about QAV is it just tells me what to do and I, I don't need to think about it. I just trust that it'll work. If I just keep following the rules day in, day out, History, Tony's history, and even our uh, dummy portfolio over the last whatever it is now, three years, um, proves that it just works long term. So don't think about it, just do it. And I have to point out, we were talking about riding the market back up between the 1st of April and the 31st of December 2020, our portfolio went up by 47% 
versus the STW, which went up about 30%. Okay, so the next episode, 314, skipping ahead another month. This is the 11th of May. We're recording this. What was Tony's mindset then? Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've been chastened by giving forecasts. I, I tend to be in the pace camp. I think that we are going to see worse and that the market might go down again and probably will uh, until we see, you know, we haven't seen the year-end figures for listed companies yet, but we've also seen a, a bull market, sorry, a bear market rally in the last month and volatility on the VIX index is going down and the central banks around the world keep pumping money to keep everything afloat and the governments are giving people job keeper allowances. So in the short term, things seem to be moving forward. But I mean, you've got to wait for the long term to find out, are there, are there more bankruptcies? How are the banks going to survive? How is the government going to handle all the debt it's put on its balance sheet? And those kinds of things. So I'm a little bit in the pace camp. But as we've said before, I'm, I'm not trying to forecast. I'm, I'm just going to keep applying the system. Uh, and invest that way. I think forecasting is a mugs game. Marcus Padley, who's a bit of a growth investor and has been doing well because he's rode this bear market up from the bottom and is saying that the it'll keep going and uh, the VIX is down and it's all systems go and you should be in high growth tech stocks because they're all rebounding and value invest- investing is dead and all this kind of stuff. But he, he, he called value investors puritanical value-based fund managers with their blinkered, Buffett-esque, holier-than-thou investment technique. Mm, that sounds like you. Did uh, Alan yeah. Kohler call you out by name after that? Did he go, yeah, like that old fuddy-duddy no. Tony Kynaston? Yeah. No, well, the funny thing was Alan Kohler put a really good analysis into his email this weekend which said that discounted cash flow investing was dead because trying to discount future earnings when they're negative just makes no sense. And uh, he's right on that on that score. But then he went on to, to include Marcus Padley's quote about how Value investing is dead. It is different every time. It's always different, <laughs> Tony. It's never the same. Don't hit me with them negative waves so early in the morning. <laughs> Think that bridge will be there. <laughs> and it'll be there. It's a mother beautiful bridge. And it's going to be there. <laughs> uh, just like our stocks there, mother beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Marcus uh, Padley. Yeah, well, this time yep. it's different, Tony. Yep, it is. Except, hey. except Alan Kohler went on to say, and Marcus Paddy went on. I think Marcus Paddy went on to say that value investors have done nothing or have earned nothing since the GFC. And I was kind of scratching my head, going, "Well, I'm a value investor, and I've done really well since the GFC." Yeah, yeah. So I don't know who they're who they're looking at. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think that's all we need to look at because not a lot changed from that point onwards. Obviously, the market recovered well. Surprisingly, uh, for the rest of 2020, and it just went from strength to strength as governments poured trillions of money, uh, trillions of money? What? Trillions of dollars into markets around the world, uh, which obviously we're sort of paying the price for now in, in, to some regard, in some regard. But um, that was sort of the just a quick recap of Tony's thinking process during What's probably been the the biggest downturn that the Australian market has had since the GFC. And as you can see, it was just uh, steady as she goes. 
Uh, he had his ideas and his opinions about what might happen, but didn't really listen to himself. Like Tony doesn't listen to external forecasters, and he doesn't listen to the voice inside of his head that forecasts either. He just does what the system tells him to do and, and trusts that uh, it'll all work out in the end as it tends to do. So uh, I hope that, I don't know, helps somewhat for those of you that are new maybe and you're wondering uh, how to trade during a major downturn or if you're old, I mean, you've been around a long time with us, uh, just a bit of a recap, just to uh, reaffirm that all we have to do with QAV is follow the system. All Tony does is just follow the system. Well, that is our last... Whoops, that is our last episode for 2022 Season 5 of QAV. Thank you to everybody who's listened to the show, sent in questions, uh, come to the dinners, uh, been on the live Zoom calls, uh, caught up with us individually for a, a coffee or a meal from time to time. Thank you to everybody for the support, you know, particularly people like Andrew Flipman and uh, Brett and Chris Stratton, um, Alex Kynaston, Dennis, our editor, uh, Max C. Smith in New York, who does, you've probably never heard of before, but Maxie uh, does a report for me every weekend for, for Alex and I, which helps in doing the checklist and our reporting each week. Just the team of people that we've got now uh, supporting uh, QAV in helping us uh, deliver not only the podcasts to you each week, but the checklists, the buy lists, and all the rest of the, the tools and analysis and support that we're trying to provide. Um, it's been a rough year for investors, uh, but uh, them's the breaks. I hope, I hope you all had a, a good sort of Christmas. Have a great new year. Stay safe. We will be back uh, in January, first week of January, I guess, with uh, the first episode of Season 6 for 2023 of QAV. Quite have a good New Year's Eve, everybody. Bye.